It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Aha, ha, ha, ha. Yeah! What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 754 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, July the 31st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Raptors as well. It's always appreciated when you go check that account out, give it a follow, and uh, find links to every single episode over there. Also, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you have not heard, sports are uh, back. Uh, you know, baseball, maybe not for long, but hockey is back on Saturday. The NHL uh, getting rolling there. If you're a Maple Leafs fan, go listen to Lockdown Leafs with Mike DiStefano, for example. If you are a Toronto sports fan, uh, you might be listening to this podcast, even though I know there's animosity between Raptors and Leafs fans all the time. Still, Mike does a great job over there. Go listen to that as they begin their five-game series against the Columbus Blue Jackets trying to move on to the real playoffs in the NHL. Of course, all the NBA shows are going strong, our national shows. Please go uh, subscribe to, rate, and review all the shows that you want to support on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's much appreciated when you do that. All right. On that note, the Toronto Raptors also return to play tomorrow against the Los Angeles Lakers. It's very exciting. All the pomp and circumstance that comes with the Lakers will be there, I'm sure, even with no fans in the stands. And joining me today to talk Talk about the Lakers and where they're at and, you know, potential Raptors-Lakers finals matchup and all that stuff is a writer for SB Nation. It is Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina, how are you? I'm doing well, Sean. Thank you for having me on. I am uh, very happy to have you. It's uh, it's always nice to have a first-time guest on the show, and it's always a nice test case to see if I'll scare you away and you never want to come back. So that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see how the next I think 25... we're off to a good start. That's good. Hell yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just going to pat myself on the back there. And uh, let's, uh, let's dive in here. So the Raptors take on the Lakers on Saturday. They had one matchup earlier in the season where they played. This was on the road trip where the Raptors uh, lost everybody. Kyle Lowry, Serge mm-hmm. Baca both got hurt. And this was the, uh, I guess, the arrival of the duo of chaos in Chris Boucher and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson as they helped the Raptors to a very inspiring win in LA over the Lakers uh, that they probably had no no business picking up. Things are quite different now, of course, as the Lakers take on the Raptors with the Raptors fully healthy and Marcus All is skinny and tan and things are looking up health-wise for the Raptors. Uh, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, obviously available too. Um, you know, I don't know how much either of these teams are necessarily going to care that much about this game. The Lakers, with their win over the Clippers last night, all but secured themselves the one seed in the West. Um, but let's start there, Sabrina. You know, the Lakers played last night. They win 103-101. Anthony Davis looks really great, um, has 34 points. Points gets to the line 17 times, which is uh, pretty impressive on its own. And they pull out the win over the Clippers. What did you see from the Lakers in that game? And uh, do you kind of get a sense that they are taking this seriously? Or was it more of a foot sort of half on the gas type of thing from the Lakers and Clippers last night? I think the Lakers had to take that game against the Clippers seriously because otherwise the 
the narrative around how they match up against the Clippers would have just spun out of control. Mm. Um, you know, the Lakers came into that game relatively healthy, obviously Avery Bradley, not in Orlando for the restart and Rajon Rondo has a hand injury. So he wasn't available, but they were much more whole relative to the Clippers. So it was the kind of game where if the Lakers didn't win and be like, Oh, well, they still can't really beat the Clippers. And that doesn't exactly bode well heading into the, you know, inevitable Western conference finals. that Everybody's waiting for the LA LA matchup that will not be taking place in Staples center. But I think it just meant a lot more to the Lakers to win that game. And it's every time you see LeBron sort of dial it up, you know, that's, that's what it means that they need to win that game. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think you're going to see that same level of intensity from the Lakers for the rest of the seeding games, just because like LeBron, he's, you know, posting on Instagram last night that like he couldn't get up to take a shower. He was just like lying <laughs> on his hotel room floor. And then like he posted a little while later, he finally like got, was sitting upright, but he still needed to take a shower. He was just so exhausted. And yeah, you know, it's good social media fodder, but like, I also think it's relevant that he's in his 17th year and he can't do that for eight seeding games and then all the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the type of effort you saw from the Lakers against the Clippers, I don't think is representative of what you're going to see for the remainder of the seven games. Like you said, their magic number is one to clinch the one seed in the Western conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you know, one Laker win or one Clipper loss. And I, I think it's going to happen, <laughs> you know, spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, so yeah, they don't really need this game against Toronto. I know uh, Toronto's in like a slightly different seeding scenario with the Celtics, but uh, I would imagine this being the Raptors opener, you'll probably see a higher level of effort from them to start than you will from the Lakers. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think if the Raptors can figure out the seeding thing and put enough cushion uh, between them and Boston early on, that'll kind of free them up to ease things into the playoffs. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're also, you know, kind of like LeBron. They're a little bit aged. They have Marcus Gasol, <laughs> who barely played in the scrimmages as he was kind of ramping back up. And, you know, Kyle Lowry, you know, he, he's going to play a lot of minutes, I'm sure. He's going to play like a maniac, I'm sure. But if you're the Raptors, I would Kyle imagine. Lowry. Yeah, he's a freaking psycho in the best possible way. Um, but I would imagine the Raptors might want to protect him from himself a little bit and maybe kind of rein him in as, uh, you know, these games just don't matter all that much, especially since the seeding really doesn't matter uh, in terms of, like, matchups down the line. I guess if you're the Raptors and you're looking at a potential first round with the Sixers, then, yeah, you want to stay on yeah. number two. But I still think it's more likely than not that the Pacers slip down there with DeMontis Sabonis being out and, you know, Brogdon uh, kind of having his own inju- injury issues that he's kind of working back from and Oladipo not being uh, any sort of sure thing. Um, so, yeah, th- I don't think the Raptors need to take it all that seriously. That said, the first game out of the gate, I would imagine they'll, uh, you know, be guns a-blazing. Um, you mentioned, Sabrina, the Lakers and the lack of sort of Danny, or not Danny Green, the lack of, I got Danny Green on the brain, obviously, still. Uh, not over it, but... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you mentioned the lack of uh, Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo. We're going to get to that in just a second and kind of dive into how that might affect the Lakers' chances of winning it all. But first, I want to tell people about my bookie. Say with me now, sports are back, baby. I've been waiting for this day since March. So have you. And now it's here, and we've only got one thing on our minds, and that is my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to get start betting today at my bookie they have up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams with the start of the nba and major league baseball and hockey there's never been a better time to start playing 
With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. Feeling good about your chances, uh, the chances of your team this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series futures bets as well as the NBA title bets, the Stanley Cup, all that stuff as well. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with baseball or basketball? There's, again, so many sports going on right now. The WNBA, you've got hockey, football's on its way too, maybe, probably, we'll see. Smart bettors are always looking towards the future, and in this case, that means basketball hockey and football my bookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite nba nhl and nfl games there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting join today and my bookie will match your deposit 100 plus they'll toss you a free 10 dollars mlb future wager all you got to do is enter the promo code locked on nba when signing up remember at my bookie the terms are simple you bet you win and they pay the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day all right, Sabrina, as I teased uh, before, we're going to talk a little bit about Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo. Also, just a reminder to follow uh, me on Twitter at WoodleySean. If you want to get in touch with the show, that is where to do it. DMs always open there. If you want to uh, critique my ad reads or my uh, opinions on the Raptors or whatever it may be. Um, Sabrina, the, Raptors, the Lakers, of course, are without Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo. We're not sure exactly how long Rondo's going to be out. Bradley is not in the bubble whatsoever. And, you know, the, you know, the news of those absences maybe doesn't strike a lot of fear in the heart of Lakers fans, just in sort of a vacuum, like they're, they're okay players, you know, Bradley, I think before this season, having a bit of a rebirth was one of the worst players in the NBA over the last couple of seasons. And we know Rondo has his own foibles as well, but this is not a terribly deep team. And I'm curious those two guys being out, is it sort of like an amplifying factor where not having both of them kind of pushes everybody up to a point where maybe there's some discomfort in having Alex Caruso be your seventh man uh, or having, you know, J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters potentially have to play real minutes? I mean, Waiters played 21 minutes last night, actually played kind of well at mm-hmm. 11 points, 5 of 10. Um, but what's the sort of uh, tenor among Lakers fans as to the amount of concern over the lack of Bradley and Rondo? So I think when Avery Bradley announced that he wasn't going to be coming to Orlando, there was kind of a mixed bag of emotions in the sense that Avery Bradley has been a part of this magnificently successful starting lineup for the Lakers this year, um, where when they have Bradley, Green, Davis, LeBron, and JaVale McGee on the court, they just blitz other teams. But you look at his, you know, advanced numbers and it kind of like paints a picture of like, is is that because of Bradley? Is it just because the other guys on the court are pretty good? You know, you put anybody next to LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Dan Green, and they kind of tend to have some good numbers. Um, but there was a sense that the Lakers could sort of get around, you know, not having Bradley, because even though he does a very specific thing of guarding, you know, a scoring point guard, you know, where he only has to focus on defending the point of attack, because I don't love Bradley's health defense or team defense, but as an individual defender, Against players his own size, that's the thing he can do. Like I, I think about the Memphis matchup a lot for the Lakers because I just don't know who's going to guard John Morant anymore. But, <laughs> um, you know, it was the kind of thing where you can replace Avery Bradley in the aggregate because Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a better shooter and he can still handle the ball. And, you know, within the team defensive concept, you have Alex Caruso, you have, you know, KCP, who's a, a decent team defender. And that, those are things that can be mitigated. 
But then you also lose Rondo, and now there's a severe lack of ball handling on the roster. So that's where Deion Waiters comes into play. And it's strange to have to rely on a guy who had three NBA games under his belt before his Lakers <laughs> tenure this year and, you know, is obviously a lot more in the news for things that he did off the court this year than the things that he did <laughs> on the court. Uh, but he's been great, actually, in the Laker uniform. I uh, hesitate to get too confident about it because, again, those are three scrimmages and one game. But anytime that game is against the Clippers, you know, you kind of have to take it with a little extra because mm-hmm. the Clippers are an excellent defensive team. And to see Deion Waiters successfully handle the ball, you know, under the type of pressure that the Clippers perimeter defenders can provide is is very heartening. Uh, he was able to, you know, get to the rack pretty much anytime he wanted. Uh, I don't think you can really handle count on Deion Waiters as a three-point shooter, which, you know, is kind of a bugaboo among the Lakers players. There's just never enough shooting on the court, not as much as you <laughs> want around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But Waiters has looked good. He's just uh, got a pep in his step, you know, for lack of a better word. He just seems really happy to, like, be on a team that actually wants him to play. Mm-hmm. And he is exactly the kind of skill set the Lakers needed to make up for the absences of Rondo and Bradley. I wonder what happens to his role when Rondo inevitably comes back. Uh, but that's, you know, a problem for future Lakers, not for today. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, but I, I like what he has. I, uh, the Alex Caruso as a seventh man thing is an interesting problem because, you know, Laker fans, we, we adore Alex Caruso. There's just no getting around it. He's just a, a wonderful success story. Um, just the kind of guy you look at seems like he should be somebody's accountant instead of a basketball player. And yet <laughs> he's just dunking on guys left and right. He's really fun to watch. Supremely talented defender, uh, really athletic. Um, he had this great uh, defensive play against the Clippers last night where he, you know, intercepted a ball that was, you know, heading to the wing, and then he managed to save it, too, instead of just deflecting out of bounds. It was really great. Like, love Alex Crusoe, and that I don't think any Laker fan is at the point now where at the end of a game, LeBron drives, kicks to the corner, Caruso takes the shot, where you think, oh, that's going in. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit, uh, you know, of a concern so far, uh, it's not something that, like, you know, is keeping me up at night because, again, I think there are other guys on the Lakers who are more confident in taking those shots. And God bless Crusoe, even though he's not making them yet, he's still taking them. So that's something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, I've, I've said a lot of things about the guards, and I don't think I've made any grand proclamations here. But <laughs> Lakers have really good players surrounding their perimeter players, and they only need them to do like one or two specific things in the course of a game. And I think they have enough guys who can do those one or two things. Totally. And I think that this is an interesting year because I think like the last five years have kind of conditioned us to think about playoff basketball in like one kind of way, which is, you know, the Warriors can exploit any weakness. The Warriors have no weakness themselves. (laughs) And, you know, you're not going to win a title unless you have, you know, perfect players across the board with no liabilities whatsoever. And, you know, the Raptors, I think, kind of had that last year, too, where they were all good offensive and all good defensive players. Um, You know, I think this year where it's a little bit more wide open and teams are a little bit less complete, it's kind of like a new cycle of super teams even where you know teams have yet to fill out their rosters around their sort of you know star tandems that Mm -hmm. you know you're not going to come across teams that are perfect you you know the Clippers themselves you know they have you know Kawhi and Paul George that's very good obviously and their their defense might be close to perfect but they also you know play Avika Zubac a lot of minutes and they rely on Lou Williams who in the history of the playoffs has not necessarily been very good. Ask a Raptors fan about mm. that. Um, there are certainly some, some holes there as well. And so like, even if the Lakers aren't perfect, I, I think they kind of, there's enough there around the, the, the two headed monster of LeBron and Anthony Davis that, you know, you can probably 
like pencil them in to make it to the conference finals quite easily just because you know nothing is going to become sort some sort of like you know like deadly sin where it's like oh yeah that one thing they lose a series against the nuggets because they just mm-hmm. don't have enough you know guard depth or whatever it is um on the note of the guards i want to ask you about danny green uh, we love danny green up here uh we, we, mm-hmm. we miss him want him back all of that stuff um you know, have lakers fans been sort of uh indoctrinated into the whole sort of you know the the Danny Green experience where it's a little bit up and down and when he's hot there's nothing better and when he's cold it's horrifying and scary and you begin to question if he should be on the floor but then he makes like an amazing you know chase down block and it's like oh yeah that's why he's out there how have Lakers fans absorbed Danny Green in his first season with the team this year yeah I think uh, you you hit it exactly on the nail um there's <laughs> That, that, you know, that 38% three-point shooting isn't really 38% every game. It's like a six of nine, you know, one game, and then like a couple over fours. Um, you know, yesterday we got the not-so-good Danny Green. I think he was two of six from the field. And more concerningly than that, I just thought he wasn't really good defensively, which is kind of the thing that saves you, you know, when Danny Green's not shooting well from the field. It's that, oh, he's just an excellent defender all the time. Like maybe he's not all defense level, but he's right there, you know, and he's the kind of guy where you – don't worry about him making mistakes. Uh, so I've, you know, been on the bandwagon all season that Danny Green is the Lakers' third most important player, even though people like, you know, they have said that Contavious Caldwell-Pope has had a really good season or that Kyle Kuzma has, you know, more talent than Danny Green or, you know, even during the weird stretches of the year when Dwight Howard was apparently the third most important <laughs> player, which I I can't even. I, I just, it's, a, it's been a weird time. But yeah, the Danny Green thing is, uh, he's just, quietly good most of the time mm-hmm. and then when he's not making shots it's harder to appreciate those quiet moments <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but he's definitely a guy where I'm always confident with him on the floor it's like when you think about Lakers closing lineups he has to be the third one yeah yeah he's uh he was really important last year and it's a marvel the Raptors defense didn't fall off with him no longer being on the team and credits to Fred Van Vliet and his pesky little ass uh, for, for <laughs> filling in there. But yeah, it, it's Danny Green is like, yeah, that's the thing is even when he's not making his shots, there's still a million important things he's doing out there. And, you know, a big thing he's doing is making it so LeBron doesn't have to do everything defensively, which mm-hmm. is uh, extremely valuable. As we mentioned, he's uh, he's long in the tooth. Um, on the note of Caruso, uh, and we're going to talk about a potential Lakers-Raptors finals matchup in a sec, but I look forward to the battle of the accountants between Alex Caruso and Matt Thomas, if ever they are wind up across from each other. Matt Thomas is a <laughs> Lakers summer league legend, so we, uh, we take ownership <laughs> of him first. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, you know, what, what can I say? The, the Raptors, they do their own, uh, you know, getting summer league dudes and turning them into legends themselves. So I, I appreciate <laughs> that for sure. Um, we are on the other side going to get into a potential Lakers Raptors finals matchup in just a sec but first I want to remind people to go check out Locked On Lakers with Anthony Irwin uh, ahead of the game Uh, he does a great job covering the team over there please make sure you go check out Locked On Lakers before the Raptors and Lakers tip off tomorrow at 8 30 Eastern the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, Sabrina, uh, let's, let's dive into it. Before we get to a Lakers-Raptors finals hypothesizing thing, um, let's first uh, discuss whether the Lakers are actually going to do it and make it to the finals. You know, we've talked about the Raptors and their chances uh, a lot on the podcast. I, I've picked them to lose in the conference finals. I don't think it's necessarily likely that they can overcome Giannis without Kawhi as a counter. Uh, but it's possible, you know, there, some people still pick them and they are very, very good and their defense is incredible and they've given uh, Giannis problems before and, you know, Nick Nurse coach circles around Mike Budenholzer, all of the advantages mm-hmm. and disadvantages we know. We don't have to get into that. Let's just assume the Raptors make the final in this uh, in this hypothetical. In terms <laughs> of the Western Conference, as we mentioned, there's no perfect team out there. The Lakers obviously have been excellent all season long. Um, are, are you confident that they're going to do it? Is there Are the Clippers a little bit terrifying? I know the matchups have kind of got, gone back and forth this year with the win yesterday, kind of maybe um, easing some doubts uh, among Lakers fans and people who just like look at the matchup. Um, you know, what, what's your sort of read on the Lakers' chances of actually making it to the finals? Right. So first of all, I think it is a near foregone conclusion that the Lakers will make the conference finals. I am not terribly concerned about any teams in the West preventing the Lakers from getting to that point. Um, although it, it is just weird to think about the Lakers in the playoffs again. It's been a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think about like the entire run of like Raptors NBA success and it has happened in a time when the Lakers just have not made the playoffs. Truly wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I expect that it's going to be a collision course with the Clippers and at the start of the season, I assume that the Clippers were the better team. I just, uh, it's very hard for me to imagine how the Lakers have enough depth to contend with everything the Clippers have to offer. Mm-hmm. Like, just that starting lineup itself with Patrick Beverly and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Marcus Morris. And I know you had some not so nice things to say about him earlier, but Ivica Zubac is an excellent defensive center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't love the matchup for the Lakers just because their perimeter is a little small and it requires LeBron to do a lot of heavy lifting defensively just to contend with Kawhi. And then that sort of leaves PG on his own. And Dan Green, as much as I love him, he puts his hand up. Paul, Paul George can just shoot over him every single time, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, a, a problem that a lot of defenders have when they face Paul George. I mean, <laughs> the Raptors have contended with Paul George in the past and it almost didn't work out. It was horrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's probably why Frank Vogel is no longer in Indiana. And that's why he's not the Lakers. But <laughs> Oh yeah, thank um, you, Frank Vogel. Thank you, Rodney Stuckey. Thank you, Ty <laughs> Lawson. Yeah, all all legends in my eyes. Yeah, the, the CJ Miles game, if I remember correctly. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Oh, what a game. Anyway, yeah, carry on. <laughs> I I think it's gonna be really close between the Lakers and the Clippers. And if you have a strong preference one way or the other, like I'm surprised because I don't think that there are a lot of, you know, really important strengths in either direction because I think the LeBron Kawhi matchup kind of neutralizes itself. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Clippers have a good answer for Anthony Davis. I don't think the Lakers have a good answer for Paul George. Uh, the Clippers theoretically have a better bench, but it hasn't really shown up to play in the games against the Lakers. Like Marcus Morris has been objectively terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Kuzma had, you know, a couple good scoring games, one not so good one. KCP was almost non-existent yesterday. Uh, you know, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell will be back, but we saw what LeBron James did to Lou Williams the last time they played one another, and I don't think that's something you can handle defensively. So I apologize for this being bad radio, but really it's like 50-50 for me. <laughs> that's fine. We love hedging on, on this year's podcast. I have no problem with that. Um, yeah, I... I 
It's tough. I think the LeBron AD tandem is objectively better than the Kawhi Paul George. Not because Kawhi is not incredible, because boy, <laughs> do I ever know what Kawhi can do in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> it's just like the second end of that. Like Davis, I think, just is better than Paul George by quite a substantial margin. And I think the fit between LeBron and Anthony Davis is just about perfect for a star tandem. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think I'm less sold on the Clippers' supporting cast and their ability to not have some sort of liability on the floor than I think a lot mm-hmm. of people. Um, you know, Landry Shamit's nice and all, but I don't know if he's like someone you want defending somebody in a big moment in a playoff series just yet. And right. he also hasn't been hitting his shots a lot lately either. So um, lately, uh, <laughs> what, what is lately? <laughs> the one uh, <laughs> game he has played since testing positive for the coronavirus. Yeah, good lord. Um, but yeah, and so yeah, I'm. It is very much a coin flippy series. I think both teams stand uh, like if okay. So let's put it this way: I think the Clippers are a better lock to make it to the conference finals. I see. I could see the Lakers coming into some weird matchup thing where they have some trouble. Although you know, as soon as I try to talk myself into like the Rockets, people bring up them, the Rockets a lot. <laughs> yeah, like let's talk about that for one sec. <laughs> That one makes no sense to me because uh, they don't have a player who is within like five inches of Anthony Davis's height. And like their answer to the Rockets playing small ball is just to play Anthony Davis at center, which seems like kind of a trump card for that. Like that doesn't make any sense to me that the Rockets could beat the Lakers in a series. I think it's just the the very first game after the Rockets, you know, made the trade and they went pocket Rockets, you know, full on for the first time they beat the Lakers in LA. Right, right. Uh, but I, I think that's more of just like the Lakers had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't imagine that holding up over the course of a seven game series. But, you know, after the Clippers, I would say the Rockets are the team that give me the most pause in the Western Conference just because you have James Harden. He can do incredible things that nobody else in the Western Conference can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And uh, Yeah, there's like... Honestly, I kind of buy the Thunder more than like the Jazz or the Nuggets or the Mavs too. Like they're just like uh, you know they're kind of motherfuckers. <laughs> the Thunder are the Thunder are in a, a tricky situation though because like I mean, yeah. who's guarding Kawhi? Who's guarding LeBron? You know, totally. Like, yeah, they run like Lou Dort in there. Guards. Like yeah, hey, that's a Canadian you're talking I, about. I knew it the moment I said it. I was like, <laughs> crap, this guy's Canadian. I have made a mistake. <laughs> Should have gone with you know Basley or something. <laughs> it's okay. I'll bleep that out uh, to you know censor it for the. Canadian audience uh, let's uh let's get in speaking of Canada the Raptors are the team from Canada that uh, we have put into the finals for the purposes of this exercise and we're going to assume the Lakers beat the Clippers in a hard-fought seven game series as well um you know again I don't think this is a terribly likely finals outcome I'd probably put you know anything involving the Bucks and and, and you know probably like way ahead of what the, what this would be but like if you're thinking of potential finals matchups this is like the fourth or fifth most likely so it's worth talking about I think mm-hmm. um the Raptors and Lakers the Raptors beat them earlier in the year they didn't have anybody available and the game on Saturday likely won't tell us a whole lot about the matchup for a lot of different reasons um how do you size this one up obviously LeBron has owned the Raptors and that might just be the answer uh and I'm already quivering thinking about it but um is there any sort of uh intrigue to you in that in that matchup and you know how do you think the two teams would stack up it's funny I I went back and thought about the game when they played each other in November um I didn't get to watch all of that one I watched more of the the Raptors Clippers game the next day which just I was I was at that game and like it had my favorite block that I've ever seen in person that Chris Boucher block (laughs) unbelievable but uh I think that was at the point in the season, like this was back in early November, which yeah. feels like a different lifetime ago. But it was at the point in the season where LeBron hadn't 
accepted the fact that he was going to have to be the offensive end-all be-all for the Lakers. Like he was sort of in the, I'm going to let Anthony Davis be MVP mode that he started the season in. And that's not the way you want to go against the Raptors because they just have so many uh, like wings, you know, Mm -hmm. that just, Mm -hmm. you can interchangeably throw them at Anthony Davis and he wasn't ready for that. Um, I don't know if he would even be ready for that in playoff series. And even though we know what LeBron James can do to the Raptors, uh, he just didn't do it that game. <laughs> and it was one of those games where the Lakers' leaky transition defense kind of came into play. That's, you know, been tightened up over the course of the season, which, thank goodness, because that is not a weakness you can afford to have <laughs> against the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> um, but, you know, I actually think this is, like, the third most likely finals matchup, or third or fourth, you know, just okay. because I, I don't really have a lot of faith in the other teams in the East. But... It's just weird. Like, I think if LeBron decides that he wants to beat the Raptors, he can beat the Raptors. I, I mean, this is no disrespect to Nick Nurse or the <laughs> 2019 champions. Like, Look, it's... there's a long documented history of that being exactly true. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> and I just think that, like, the, the fact that, um, you know, the, the Raptors' offensive engines aren't exactly, like, small guards, which mm-hmm. tend to give the Lakers some difficulty. Like, that's not an issue. Uh, and, like, we've obviously seen Marcus Gasol and, I guess, to a lesser extent, Serge Ibaka, but, like, you know, do an excellent job of shutting down opposing centers. Davis is not the same offensive force that Embiid is, but I also think, like, you know, he has some athletic advantages that make him slightly more difficult to contain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Lakers in this matchup just because, again, you know, LeBron v. Raptors seems like a tried-and-true recipe, but I don't like playing any team that has that many guys they can just throw LeBron. Yeah, that's the thing is like there's a lot of guys they can throw out there. And you know, I think we saw in that in that first matchup that mm-hmm. that was like when the Raptors first kind of were is hitting the stage as like this star stopping defense, right? Where they threw right. everything at LeBron. And I think that's like the Lakers are a team where if you do kind of throw everything at LeBron, yes, Anthony Davis might kill you, but I think you're probably, I mean, the Raptors might be okay taking their chances and seeing if it's a hot Danny Green day. And they might be mm-hmm. okay seeing if Contavious Caldwell-Pope can knock down open threes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they give up a lot of threes for a reason. They give them up to the right people. And I, I kind of think, like, the Lakers, because of their sort of weird roster construction and the lack of shooting that you've mentioned, they do kind of strike me as a team that the Raptors might be able to use that sort of all-out star-stopping defense against pretty successfully. Exactly. And, you know, having a healthy Gasol, maybe that makes the Davis thing, you know, again, Anthony Davis is far different than Joel Embiid. He can, you know, stretch it out in a way Embiid can't or you're totally okay with Embiid doing. And he's just like, a, like Embiid's a monster, but Davis is like a different kind of monster who jumps higher. And right. so... <laughs> I think that could be less of a like an easily winnable matchup for for Gasol, um, and then it just comes down to you know yeah like can the Raptors score on the Lakers half court defense? And the Lakers defense has been very good this season, and that's I think kind of the the through line for all of the talk about the Raptors is can their half court offense really score against good defenses in the crunch in crunch time? And you know in fairness, maybe they can. Maybe 
there's enough guys on the floor who they can exploit and they feel like they're okay, you know, taking it at. If LeBron defends like Pascal Siakam, like he defended Kawhi Leonard last night, it's probably all over and there's no chance. <laughs> but, you know, there, there's other ways the Raptors can go about creating. They have the, 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 the Gasol working from the elbows stuff. You have, um, you know, Kyle Lowry has, you know, kind of regained a step this season and maybe he can kind of, you know, kind of take some of that burden away from mm-hmm. Pascal. But yeah, the, the Lakers are huge and they kind of present like kind of Sixers like troubles when it comes to half court defense, just because of that length. And I wonder exactly. if, you know, for example, can Fred Van Vliet cut it in that series? Like, does he have to maybe give up his minutes to Norm, to Norm Powell and sort of hope that Powell can give an offensive burst? It is also, also kind of similar to the Bucks matchup that I've talked about a million times on this show is, you know, the Bucks half court defense is so daunting that I'm not sure the Raptors can really keep up with it. Do I think the Raptors can probably slow down the Lakers a little bit? Yeah, they've been yeah. pretty good against good offenses, but it's the offensive end that I'm a little bit concerned about. But, you know, there, there's more holes on the Lakers that I would like. Let's put it this way. Of the other contenders, the Clippers and the Bucks, I'd be most confident in the Raptors beating the Lakers, if that makes sense. I still don't I think, think it's necessarily yeah. likely, but... I, I would give them a better shot than I would against the Bucks or the Clippers. So yeah, that last uh, Clippers matchup was was not pretty. For no, <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly not. Um, Sabrina, I think we've uh, exhausted the Lakers talk for now. We don't want to, uh, you know, turn off the Raptors fans too much. So I think we can wrap <laughs> it up there. Uh, this was wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can people check out your work? I am on Twitter at Sabrina JM. That's Sabrina with two E's, and you can find all my work there awesome uh i highly recommend that and uh you can find me at woodley sean you can subscribe to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast big thanks to sabrina for coming on the show hopefully i have not scared you off and uh you will come back when the raptors and lakers play in the finals inevitably as we've spoken i look forward to it (laughs) (laughs) awesome um that's gonna do it for today's show thank you again for tuning in uh, we'll be back again on Monday as we break down the actual real basketball game the Raptors are playing on Saturday, and we'll tee up the Monday night game that they play as well. I don't remember who they're playing. Who even knows? Time is nothing. Schedules are nothing, and we'll figure it out. We'll cross the bridge when we get to it. Um, but thank you so much, and we will talk to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the basketball, and we'll talk to you then with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.